Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bulls fans, welcome to Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Wire Sports Podcast Network. We are back again, day two of free agency. And the reason we are back again is because the Bulls continue to swing. The Bulls continue to make moves. And um, because of that reason, my old friend Morton Jensen continues to come back on the podcast. <laughs> Mort, how are you, mate? I am doing well. This is this is fantastic. This is our, our third podcast over the past week or so uh, after yeah, the draft. Yeah, yeah, less than that even. It's it's been fantastic, and and yeah, I kind of full disclosure though, I kind of invited myself onto this one because I I want to talk about DeRozan. <laughs> I think I I think this is something that we need to discuss because uh, Bulls fans had a lot of different takes. But yeah, you, walk us through it, Mark. You you just have to chalk up the entire lines for everyone listening. Well, look, uh, to, to, to be fair, uh, we, we, you and I hadn't podcast for months, so I, I wanted to correct that nonetheless. But the, the fact that it's come together at this point that we've had three podcasts in a row like this, it's, um, <laughs> it is kind of amusing, but for good reason. And today, I think it is a good reason to come, be coming back and, and, and discussing, you know, what, what has occurred today, which is obviously the Bulls bringing through via sign and trade DeMar DeRozan. They signed DeRozan to a three year, $85 million deal. In doing so, they sent out some pieces to the San Antonio Spurs in exchange for DeMar DeRozan. Out of Chicago goes Thad Young. With him goes uh, Amino, rather, as well as a first-round pick and some second-round picks as well. So that, that's effectively the deal. Bulls get in DeMar DeRozan. Three years, $85 million. They say goodbye to Thad, who I really enjoyed Thad. Uh, I'm very thankful of the season that he had last season, but um, right. I'm not sure if I was necessarily expecting him to repeat that going forward, particularly at his age and the fact that maybe he was a little bit more redundant now that you've got in Nikola Vucevic. You're hopefully trying to put through Patrick, uh, Patrick Williams at power forward. And then Aminu to actually use his deal as something, his expiring deal. Like coming into free agency, I was, I was, just assuming that they had to, uh, well, assuming they were going to go under the cap. We talked about this all on yesterday's show about yeah. how 
we uh, were assuming that the, the, the Bulls weren't going to operate above the cap, that were going to go under the cap. And one of the ways for them to create cap space was stretching and waving a mean who's expiring $10 million uh, deal. They haven't done that at all. There's nothing on the books related to Aminu going forward, and instead they've been able to use his expiring deal to help bring through DeMar DeRozan. So uh, that's effectively the transaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, full disclosure, uh, day one of free agency, I was up for 20 of the 24-hour period. So I was very <laughs> extremely tired operating on fumes, uh, buoyant because of that, and that helped me push through. But um, I needed some sleep, and to to that point, Mort, I actually slept. Oh, I was actually sleeping when the, the, the uh, demand news broke. Um, so I'm still catching up on it. I've only been awake for about maybe an hour now. So um, I'm still formulating my takes, still uh, getting across the, the, the other takes that are flying out there and uh, preparing my responses, let's say. But um, I don't know. What are your initial thoughts about this move? So so before I give you my initial thoughts, um, I, I have a take here because you just brought okay. up Thad and, and you brought up the fact that he was uh, you know really good and really great here the, the last season. And uh, I, I kind of want to touch on a thing here because he was was traded while his value was high. And mm-hmm. that is what you're supposed to do. Now, full disclosure, I, I've seen a lot of Bulls fans get up in arms about this trade because they think the Bulls relinquished too much for DeMar DeRozan and all that. But you know what? Trading that as part of that, it, it like you're supposed to trade guys when their values are high. That's the entire point of the trade game. That I think Bulls fans are just so not accustomed to seeing that because guard packs more than often than not, would just let guys expire or they would keep them on the roster for too long and their value would just plummet. This is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to take swings with guys who have positive trade value on the roster, and they did. And to now answer your question about Rosen, look, I think objectively it's fair to say that it was an overpay, but I don't care. If I'm the Bulls, I don't care about it being an overpay. It's fine. Because you're getting in a, a former all-star, someone who's still averaging 21-plus points per game, almost seven assists, someone who can put so much pressure on the rim as well, which the Bulls have needed because they've only had sack to do it. Now you, you have mm-hmm. two guys. Um, yeah. it, it, it just changes the entire dynamic of the starting lineup, of the roster. So, yeah, it's an overpay, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's fine. It sends a signal as as well out to the rest of the league and out to the rest of the players around the league that the Chicago Bulls are once again serious about winning. And you know what? That kind of message, that can be worth so much more. And it, the, the fact that there's an outgoing first-round draft pick and a couple seconds, that's the price of business. It just is, and I'm okay with it. Yeah, look, 100% agree. Now, what I will say is depending on the, the lens or the perspective that you want to focus on in the transaction, like there's multiple ways to view this. And this is the case right. with anything and everything. So if you want to focus in on the particular leverage that the Bulls may or may not have had in this, situ- in this situation, did they overpay to your point? Yes, probably. I mean, there wasn't another team with cap space out there that could have offered DeMar DeRozan the contract that the Bulls just gave him. There may have been another team that didn't have cap space, like the Bulls, who potentially could have prepared a sign and trade with him to uh, to, to acquire DeRozan. So maybe there was another team that we're not aware of. He was going to meet with the, Clim- uh, the Clippers. They're right, clearly right. not a cap space team, but maybe they just didn't have the pieces to facilitate a, a deal with the Spurs. 
Maybe the Spurs didn't even want to sign and trade DeMar to uh, the Clippers and help, you know, boost up a, a competitor out west with them sort of thing. So from a pure transactional standpoint, maybe they paid DeMar DeRozan too much. And that was that was my initial thought on this whole thing. Three years, $85 million, that, that's a bit expensive. I think we discussed it yesterday. My my, my preferred uh, amount for DeRozan would have been a three-year, $65 million deal with that third-year being a uh, like a partial guarantee or a team option. Right. Um, I'm not really concerned with paying, you know, DeRozan $27, 28000000 million per year as they're going to be doing on this deal. My, my main concern, if I have any, is that it's a fully guaranteed three-year deal. But again, like, so be it. Like, they went out and got their guy. I don't have really any issues with giving up Thad. Like, Thad is good. Thad is valuable. He would have played a role, but... The Bulls need wings. Now, it is much easier to find a backup power forward, backup center, which is what Thad would be on this team, than mm-hmm. finding a starting wing to slot in, slot on, slot in rather, alongside Zach Levine and Patrick Williams. Like that is so significantly more difficult to do. So, in that sense, DeRozan is more valuable. I have no issues moving on from Thad. I've obviously got no issues moving on with Aminu. I've seen some people whining about the draft pick, the fact that they're giving up a 2025, 20, yeah, 2025 first round pick and some a, a couple seconds. But I guess my counter to that is like, if you are a team that is competent and is continuously putting pieces on the roster to continue to build around the pieces that you have, that 2025 pick shouldn't matter. It should be a pick in the 20s, something like that. Or, you know, realistically speaking, it's not going to amount to anything or at least has a very small chance of being anything remotely decent. So so long as the Bulls are competent and continue to put together a winning program, as they're sort of showing this offseason, they're very content and willing to do and to push towards doing, then that pick doesn't really matter. The second second round picks shouldn't matter. And when I start thinking about it from that point of view, coming out a little bit, thinking about it from a holistic standpoint, to your point, the Bulls have clearly sent a message this offseason that they're, they're going for it, that they're acting yep. like a big market team. They are swinging their dick around for a change rather than being the conservative little, uh, conservative little franchise that operated like a small market team, tried playing right. through the draft, didn't go out there and make trades for players, didn't make any big swings in free agency because they didn't necessarily put all their cards on the table. The complete opposite is happening now. So this is what we wanted, Bulls fans. We hated the Garpacks era at the end of it because they were so conservative. They didn't do anything of note. And and when they were making moves, they were literally just operating um, or just doing the the least amount they possibly could. You know, they would go to the draft with their draft pick. They would do nothing else. They wouldn't acquire future first round picks. They wouldn't use cap space to take on bad contracts to get more picks in place. They wouldn't make trades to improve the roster. We've seen AK, Mark Eversley, etc. make moves here that we have never seen Garpak do, whether it's the cap minutia stuff that we discussed yesterday or whether it's going out and being big dick hunting like the Bulls are now where they've gone out and got, <laughs> they've gotten Lonzo, they've gotten DeMar. They've gotten two of the biggest names in free agency. Those two guys wanted to come yeah. sh- to Chicago. And to your point, Mort, the, the Bulls are sending a message that they are serious about building a winning team uh, in Chicago again. And that, you know, unlike the, the previous 15 to 20 years where we were operating like the Indiana Pacers, that shit isn't going to fly anymore. So that, yeah. from that point of view, this still makes perfect sense. Yeah. And also worth noting, by the way, is we've seen beforehand with the Vooch trade how uh, Artores and Mark protect their draft picks. 
So I would actually be pretty shocked if the 2025 pick or whatever it, it, it would be conveying, I'm pretty sure there's, there are going to be some uh, contingencies to it because if the Orlando Magic doesn't get the 2023 pick, they get the 2024 pick maybe. And like there, there are some, some floating issues there, but we know for a fact that Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley uh, put some protection on those draft picks sent out to Orlando that, for example. And I have to assume that same principle is applied uh, in this in this trade. I, I don't look at those two guys as being guys who are willing to just run run free with risk. Uh, I, I think they are going to look at those picks and say, "What is a realistic value? What can we? How can we protect it? What's fair? What would you accept?" And plus, they gave up Thad, who's a very good asset in and of itself. You know, the Spurs were probably going to lose Demar for nothing anyway. So, I think overall, this deal is going to make more sense. Like again, you brought up the the contractual thing. Like you said, you would top it out at sixty five, and then you know the last year should be non guaranteed or a team option and all that. Like I hear you, and that's. Again, that's just the price of business. I, it's all about the messaging. It's all about the, like you, you, you put it very eloquently, the big dig hunting game. I mean, you're right. It, it is about time that instead of, you know, going all gar pack, small pecker, you have to go out there with, you know, a big Johnson and say, we can get things done. Absolutely. And, and to their credit, those two guys in, in Acme have done that. Um, I, I very much look forward to seeing what they have of their sleeve next because, I don't think that we're done here, Mark. I don't think that we're even close to it. Like, Laurie Markinen is still on the roster. Um, well, I mean, his cap hold and his disqualifying offer is, so he can get signed and traded. Uh, we still don't know whether or not uh, Alex Caruso gets taken into the TPE, so maybe the non-tax Emily is, is still there. I, I don't think the Bulls are done. And if you're still like a, a listener or a fan and you're judging them based on the first two days and saying, oh, this is our roster right here. I don't think so. I think there are, there are still going to be a couple more droplets to come. And I have a suspicion that they're going to be good. Yeah, I completely agree. So I I, I would hopeful, I'm hopeful that Larry Markman isn't back. Uh, to me, it still yes. doesn't make sense on this roster. You can't start him next to Vucevic, so he's clearly not going to be a starter on this team. Um, so in that sense, he, like that was one of his goals. He views himself as a starter. He wants to go to a team and be a starter. It, that can't happen in Chicago. You can't start him next to, to, to Vucevic. I'm sorry. And, and now that you've got DeRozan as well, you can't have a, a team on the floor where you've got Levine, DeRozan, and uh, Vucevic and marketing. Like From a defensive standpoint, that would be just absolutely terrible. Yep. So. Lowry can't start. He's going to be on the coming off the bench. Now, maybe if you can bring him back on a reasonable amount, maybe you sign him to a one-year deal. Uh, I don't know. Maybe in that case, you can have him come off the bench for 15, 20 minutes a night. Is he going to be happy with that? Probably not. So in that sense, I'm still looking to move Lowry. I'm still looking to, to pull off a sign-and-trade for Lowry and to do a fourth sign-and-trade off the off-season when I didn't even think they were willing, or not willing, but were able to, to do one. <laughs> I mean, that, that would be madness, but I, I hope they do that. Now, it doesn't seem like the Spurs want Lowry marketing. They clearly valued Thad Young more than they did uh, Lowry, and, and maybe they had to value Thad and Aminu more because they could, I, I mean, to pay DeMar what they had to pay DeMar, you couldn't necessarily include Lowry because, uh, you know, even if you sign Lowry to a $20 million deal, his basic compensation would have halved that amount. So you're only yeah. really sending out $10 bucks back for, for Lowry. 
in, in a deal. So it doesn't seem like the Spurs were interested anyway. So now the, the attention turns to, all right, where do we move this dude? We we, talk, we discussed some some possible things yesterday, whether you, you're looking to flip him to uh, Sacramento or Charlotte or Minnesota. You still continue down that path, uh, even more so now after acquiring DeMar. So to me, Patrick Williams is the starting power forward next season. You need him next to Vucevic for his defense. You need him with he, for his defense next to uh, Levine and DeRozan. Yep. Um, so head down that path. Continue to look to to trade Larry Markin for replacements, I suppose. Mm. A replacement for his role, but also a, a replacement now for Thad Young. And I, 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 like I said a little bit earlier, it's it's much easier to go and find a backup power forward center than it is to find a starting small forward like the Bulls have done here with DeRozan. So completely agree. There's still more more moves to be made. There'll be more moves on the periphery, but um, I'm hopeful that it involves trading Lowry. I'm hoping they don't re-sign him. And um, then I'm hoping they keep their mid-level exception to maybe add one other piece, maybe not for the entire full mid-level, but um, I'm assuming they will want to keep some of their mid-level exception around to to sign Io and uh, Marko Saminovic. So, I mean, they could sign those guys to two-year minimum deals, but if they want their full bird rights, they'll need to sign them using uh, an exception to to give them three or more years. So they'll need their mid-level exception to do so. So... I'm expecting those two guys to slot in there. Maybe another, you know, piece for maybe four or five million dollars as part of the mid level, and then I'm looking to trade Lowry. Like that, that, that continues to be the move for me. No, totally hear you. One thing that we don't have to worry about, uh, like if if you're the Bulls, is playmaking now, and it's not just because of Lonzo. And like I, I kind of this got away from me at the very top because I kind of wanted to get into this with the whole Demar Derozan acquisition. He's a fine playmaker, Mark. Like he was at almost seven assists per game. And one of the mm-hmm. biggest things the Bulls needed coming into this offseason was playmaking. They solved that on day one with Lonzo. Now they're just adding to it with, with DeMar. Now you have plenty of playmaking from different positions. So y- you can allow yourself now with the Laurie Markinen, uh upcoming trade or however you want to gauge it, you, you can allow yourself to think fit, like go- need, like, okay, the Bulls now, if they're sitting there gauging the roster, they're going, well, we don't need playmaking anymore. That's been solved. Do we need scoring? Hell no. We saw that too. What do we need? Do we need a high utility defensive player? Someone who can come in and, and be one of those three and D guys? Do we need someone with some positional versatility? Like they have, I don't want to say they're, they're pick of the litter, but they can now go in and be very, very precise in what they're looking for because they, basically solved everything else. And also, you brought up Marko Simonovic. I don't think it's entirely unreasonable, Mark, to put up certain expectations to him because I followed him quite a bit this year. He is he is good. Like, there is a part of me that thinks he could already, right off the bat, be at least 70 to 80% of what Laurie is right now. Mm-hmm. This guy is good. He's a strong rebounder, even better than Laurie in that regard. He can shoot. He's got a very fluid release. He can get to the free throw line where he also converts. He's a surprisingly adept passer for his size, which, again, Laurie isn't. So I think there is a replacement at hand, and I'm going to be very curious to see what they pay him. I don't think it's much, but if you can get him on just a three-year contract or something along those lines for a very modest number, that too is going to make that whole salary structure overall more intriguing because then you can look at that and go, well, if we're getting somewhat similar Laurie production out of Simonovic, you know what? Then it makes it a little, a little better to pay DeMar Rose and the deal that they paid him. So 
I think the, the, the Bulls right now are in the driver's seat, and it, it, I struggle to understand the backlash from, from Bulls Phantom, admittedly. Yeah, look, maybe maybe I'm amplifying a select few people, their their voices, and maybe the overwhelming majority you know, feel quite strongly about it. I don't know. Like I said, I'm I'm still uh Right. I'm still uh getting across the takes, let's say. I have seen some <laughs> that yeah. um, have bothered me, have annoyed me, but uh my my ultimate perspective is this, like October twenty twenty, the Bulls rolled out a starting lineup that featured Kobe White, Zach Levine, Patrick Williams, Larry Markin, and Wendell Carter. Less than a year later, the Bulls have a lineup that includes Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Patrick Williams, and Nikola Vucevic. <laughs> now, that is the perspective you need to take and yeah. need to keep. Like The Bulls have gone from a, a situation where they're effectively a, a team that was starting all the, the, the guard packs draft picks, let's say, the, 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 the guard packs draft picks that weren't amounting to anything. Right. And now I've gone to a situation where... As we discussed yesterday, they have scope to be a win-now team, but also to position themselves to be a good team for the future as well when they you know, continue to build around Zach Levine, Lonzo Ball, Patrick Williams, as they phase out of the Vucevic and DeRozan era now, let's say. Yeah. So from that point of view, like that is the perspective that needs to be maintained. And to that point, some of the pushback that I've seen and I've received when I noted that was... Well, you know, the Brooklyn Nets exist, the Los Angeles Lakers exist, uh, you know, you've got the Bucks in the East, you know, that Miami Heat had did some things yesterday, you know, how good is, re- realistically, is this team? Like, you know, right. maybe they're a fourth, fifth, sixth seed, who cares, who cares? Like, th- that has been some of the the uh, narrative pushback that I've received. Now, again, maybe it's from a select few people, maybe I'm amplifying those people's voices now that it's fresh in my mind, and again, I'm still processing it all, but again... Uh, just shut the fuck up, you know. <laughs> Put simply, just shut up. Like, just just quit your whining. And, and <laughs> I just hate that. I hate that logic because it's such a loser, small-minded uh, mentality. Like, there's always going to be a better team in front of you. There's always going right. to be a dynasty team in front of you. I mean, the Toronto Raptors do not have an NBA championship right now if the – you know, the Raptors applied that small-minded mentality that some have where, oh, look, the Warriors are here. You can't win a championship because the Warriors are here. Or LeBron is here. You can't win because LeBron's in the East or LeBron's in the West or whatever right. it might be. I mean, we just saw the Raptors a couple of years ago. It's not even that far removed. Win a championship because they refused to, you know, give up. They refused to tank, let's say. Instead of trading for Kawhi, Kawhi some people were saying, blow it up. Had they done that, they wouldn't have an NBA championship. Now, Agreed. yes... Things played in, played a, a part where they got a little bit lucky. Obviously, the Durant injury happened. The Kawhi uh, jump shot against the Sixers was very fortunate. But you need luck to win irrespective of whoever's in front of you. We just saw that this season. Have people already forgotten about this finals? I mean, the Suns, the Suns could have continued to uh, tank their way. Maybe instead of trading for Chris Paul, other people would have suggested, you know, don't go after Chris Paul, continue to add younger pieces. Well, had that happened, they would have never got to the finals. They wouldn't have had a chance of winning their first NBA championship. 
similarly for the Bucks. Like, yes, they had some luck in the fact that the Nets got injured, but again, the Bucks continued to add pieces and they won a freaking championship for because of it. So I'm not sitting here and saying that the Bulls are going to win a championship after signing Lonzo Ball and DeMar DeRozan. But what I am saying is stop being a chicken shit and just thinking because there are better teams in front of you that you should, you know, perpetually be tanking for a superstar uh, until those teams disappear or go away because that's that's just horseshit. Like there will always be a team in front of you that is better from that is better from a dynastic point of view, or whether just for like that in year season they're going to be better. There's always going to be a team that comes up out of nowhere. Like did we? Did anyone think the Brooklyn Nets were going to be this two seasons ago? Before no. they you know rolled rolled out uh, um, Kevin Durant and uh, Kyrie Irving and then obviously James Harden. Like no one was expecting them to form this uh, formidable team that everyone just assumed is going to win a title. You know, you just can't predict these things. So my point is, control what you control, build the best team you possibly can, and just see where it takes. See where it takes you. Maybe it doesn't win a championship. Who gives a shit? Let's just let's just see a good Bulls basketball team. I'm, I'm very thankful that we have an aggressive front office that is out there doing things, making moves, and trying to put this Bulls brand back towards the top of the NBA where it absolutely deserves to be. So, um, yeah, I, I'm just not I'm just not about this negative nonsense at the moment. So, um. You know, if there are people who are, let's say, being a little bit negative about it, well, yeah, I just don't want to hear it. <laughs> I think also, in fairness, it's because of the past, you know, what, six years? No, oh, more than six. I mean, just going through the latter half of the Garpax era, I mean, the, the the negativity was so vast. You and I talked about it yesterday, like why we stopped doing po- Dennis Potman, for example, right? Everything was just always so negative. So, like, you almost develop this 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 tendency to attack things negatively right off the bat but I, you know i i just could not find myself at all thinking that way with 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 the derosen uh sign and trade at all i mean sure i could see the overpay but i mean at the end of the day this team is better like drastically so this and and, and maybe even more importantly this team is going to be fun this team is going to be super fun to watch. I mean, how many times have you and I and, and other guys out there, people like just shut off a Bulls game or decided, nah, not tonight. I'm going to watch something else. I'm not going to watch it. That That's not going to be me next time. I'm going to watch most Bulls games. They have, they have yeah. jumped right to the top of my league pass rankings. Yeah. And look, look, this may not work. I mean, from a fit point of view, I, I can, you know, I'm thinking about it now and I, I can uh, I can realize a situation where it does work. Like, you know, obviously DeMar is not going to shoot threes. He wants too much crossover between uh, DeMar and Levine. Maybe, you know, what does this mean for Lonzo? Is he playing more off ball now because you've got, you know, DeMar and, and Levine, you know, who are wanting to dominate the ball to that point? Does Vucevic get uh, enough touches on the low block? Like, there's... there's there's angles you can take where this maybe this doesn't work on the court, but then you know, frankly, there there are angles you can take where it does work on the court. You touched on it before the fact that Demar Demar averaged seven assists last season. Clearly, the Bulls need a playmaking. Getting Lonzo, getting Demar, who can do some stuff from a playmaking perspective outside of that uh, Vucevic and Levine pick and roll, like that will still be your base offensive set. But now, when you can kick to the weak side and Demar's there, who can take advantage of take advantage of that secondary action, similarly with Lonzo, who can maybe spot off spot up off that action. Like mm-hmm. again, it can work. So the, my my point is, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but. 
I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to convey here is I'm confident irrespective of what happens, whether it fails or whether it's a success. Based on the moves that I've seen over the last 24 to 48 hours, I'm confident that this management group will be able to pivot and, and be able to pivot quickly into something that maybe we didn't see or maybe we didn't uh, forecast or you know, able to reposition themselves as as um as they as as needed. Like I talked about it before, in two to three seasons' time, you can pivot away from Vucevic and Demar. Like if that for whatever reason doesn't work, or maybe if it does, and uh, we floated the Jokic thing yesterday. Like if you go again, maybe thinking even bigger, like you move on from those guys at that point, or you know, maybe maybe it's just a complete tire fire. You know, it was, it was a worthy experiment. They went all in. Maybe it doesn't work and. You know, in a in a season or two time, you you move on from Vucevic or whatever it might be. Like, I, right. I guess what I'm saying is, I don't care. I'm I'm just happy that they're gone for it. They've made moves to go for it, and because of what I've seen over the last couple of days, I'm confident that they'll be able to pivot in the worst case scenario. If it doesn't work, that they'll be able to pivot and um, you know, navigate and find another way to go about it. And they still have a path to go another way about about it because you know, Lonzo's 23, 24, Zach Levine's in his prime, Patrick Williams is only 20. You know, so the, the, it's not all lost, I guess, is my point. It's not like the, the Bulls have gone in and just traded and put together a team that, um, you know, features a bunch of 33 to 37-year-olds, for example. Right. Um, that, that's not the case here. Like, there's scope to be a good team now. I think there's a real chance this Bulls team now can win 50-odd games and can uh, can have home court advantage in the playoffs. Like, I, I didn't even enter this offseason thinking that that was a reality. I was like, okay, maybe you can build yourself into a, a decent team that can be, you know, put together a 45-ish win team, maybe sneak into a six seed, maybe just get out of the play uh, playing. But if not, then you're, you're firmly in the playing with, you know, the Celtics, the the Hawks, the the Knicks, you know, the, the Hornets, those sorts of teams. But now... Now I'm kind of feeling good enough where I'm aware. I think there is a realistic scenario where, you know, beyond the Nets, the Bucks, and maybe the Heat, like, I think the Bulls can get that fourth seed. I'm not, what have the Sixers done in, in free agency? Jack shit. Who knows what they're going to get for Ben Simmons? I think there's scope here for the Bulls to be the fourth best team in the East. The Knicks didn't do anything nice with their cap space. The Celtics remodeled their team. I, I still, I'm not convinced about them. The Hawks. Right. Yeah, maybe maybe they're a threat for that fourth seed as well. But um, I'm feeling much better about where this Bulls team is positioned now than I was, say, 48 hours ago. Absolutely agree. And furthermore, just when it comes to DeRozan and, and, and when we talk about the on-court fit as well, I think there's another argument to be made uh, in terms of how it, it should actually work. Has, has DeRozan ever played for a team in a lineup that would have as much spacing around him as the projected starting lineup of the Chicago Bulls right now? Because I don't think so. Like, he has a center who's a high-level three-point shooter in Nikola Vucevic. We know that Patrick Williams can hit the three ball, and we know he's probably also going to get better at it, and even probably even a little bit more volume by, by this season as well. We sure as shit know that Sack can hit those threes. We know that Lonzo can come in and hit the triples, uh, at least when spotting up, which he'll get plenty of chances to do so. I mean, has DeMar DeRozan ever played on a team with this much spacing before? Uh, yeah, uh, coming, I'm just thinking about it now. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. What, what, I, and I guess adding to your point, I don't know if he's ever played on a bigger team. Think about this Bulls right. starting lineup. You know, Lonzo's six five, six six. Zach Levine six five. Uh, Demar himself is a he's a big unit. Six foot six, six foot seven. Patrick mm. Williams six foot nine. Obviously Vucevic is a, 
a huge unit. This is a big Bulls team now. Uh, yep. And not not necessarily big in the in the way they were in in years past, where the that front court was just loaded with you know six ten guys plus, where we had almost you know four or five guys in the front court who demanded minutes that um obviously weren't all going to get minutes, and there was just a, such a, f- a front court logjam. You had no wings at all. Like this is a big team still, but it's gone in a completely different different situation or direction where they've prioritized big versatile athletes on the wing. Like Caruso is that. Lonzo is that. Obviously, DeMar is that. He's, you know, he's 31 now, but he, the dude can still move. He can still get up there. And he's still a big unit. So my point is like they've added length, they've added, added versatility, and suddenly they look like a more, you know, a more functional modern day NBA team, even if DeRozan mm. himself isn't much of a three-point shooter. To your point, there's other guys around him that can offset that. Vucevic is obviously a fantastic three-point shooter for a big. We're hoping Patrick Williams can get that three-point volume up to maybe five or six a game, and he's probably going to need to because a lot of his uh, offense will still be fueled from, um, from, from off-ball opportunities, similarly with right. Lonzo. Just you're, you're going to be firing up seven or eight threes a game, mate. Just keep shooting that thing. And then you've got Levine, who's maybe one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA. So to your point, yes, I think this may be one of the best spacing team DeMar has been part of. And you know whether it's DeMar at power forward, whether it's Patrick Williams at power forward, wh- whatever it is, he still will have avenues to get to the rim and, and to play his game. Maybe there'll be a little bit of an adjustment period because he probably likes to share the, the the same area of the floor as Zach and Vooch do. But you know they'll work it out, and you know and now it's on Billy Donovan to work it out as well. Like it, it's on him to, to to massage the rotation to the point where maybe you you break up uh, Levine and DeRozan's minutes, you split their minutes, and um, maybe that makes it more palatable. Let's say where there's less cross crossover between those two, and at all times on the floor you've got one of them on the court, and like that's huge. The Bulls yep. sucked when Zach Levine would go to the bench from a, uh, what's the name, a, uh, an offensive creation standpoint. Like they had no one that could get to the basket. And that, that's not the case anymore. Like you, you've got Levine in that first unit who will still be the lead option with Vucevic. That pick and roll is still going to be the main source of, of offense and everything else will flow off that. But then in the second unit, if you, if you can sort of transition the minutes to have that become more about DeRozan, maybe Kobe's still around or whatever it might be. We'll see obviously how it shakes out. But now at all times to get it, the Bulls are going to have someone who can you know put on serious rim pressure and um, yeah from that point from that standpoint Levine's got some pieces around him now that it's going to take the load off him and uh, I'm I'm actually intrigued to see how much more efficient Zach could be now the fact that he's or teams won't be able to load up on him in like the way they have in years past so uh, that's another interesting element to it as well it really is and and look you talked about size I just went through it. No one in the current projected rotation, never mind the starting lineup, overall rotation is under the height of six foot four. That's tremendous. That is. I mean, yeah, Kobe, Kobe's what, six four, six five? Io is six yeah. four, six five? Yeah. Yeah, even, I, I didn't mention Io before. Like, he's another big athletic guard that the Bulls have added. They've clearly, they've clearly prioritized big, uh, big wings, big length in the backcourt. Yep. And, it's a welcome change because uh, that hasn't necessarily been the case before. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what happens. Maybe it fails. Maybe it falls over. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's good. But um, to all the nerds out there that are banging on about like, you know, the, the capital imp- implications or did the bulls, you know, pay a little bit too much? Did they do this? Did they do that? Did, you know, it's just measure, measuring the transaction just on what you see on paper. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, 
Just shut yeah. up. I guess is my uh, my, my parting <laughs> thoughts. Right. Don't it's ruin not your this money for us. Don't ruin this moment for us. This is what we've been wanting for freaking years. We've been wanting it to to to, uh, to be represented by an aggressive management team that goes all out and tries to build the best possible team it can around its player or its best player, Zach Levine. I think the Bulls have done that. And to your point earlier, more like things aren't things don't stop here. Like we've got we, things don't stop in this off season. Obviously, we were still looking at maybe trading Lowry or doing some stuff there, but. Who's to say you can't move DeRozan or Vucevic down the line in 12 months' time if for whatever reason it doesn't work? Like, there's still moves to be made. You're not the locked into this team for the next five or six years. Like, right. I don't know. The, the mentality, there has to be a mentality shift. And uh, like I said, maybe I'm just ampl- amplifying the voices of uh, a couple uh, people who have irritated me this morning and uh, are raining <laughs> on this parade. But um, I'm, uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with it. Is it an A-plus signing? No. Is it a bad signing? Of course not. Does it make a lot of sense? Does it make the Bulls a lot more fun than when, what they would have been previously? Does it make the Bulls so much more better than what they would have been previously? 100% yes. Yeah. Also, does this help Sack getting convinced that the Bulls are serious? Absolutely. Agreed. Agreed. So clearly they're not re-signing Zach in this offseason. They've right. operated above the cap. For them to give Zach a max extension, they need to, needed to create at least $14 million in cap space to give him that max extension this uh, this offseason. Um, that's clearly not happening. They're not under the cap. They're over the cap. Um, so clearly, that you know, obviously management, AK, Mark Eversley, have had a conversation with Zach. They've basically told him, and he's obviously um, signed off at it, that we're going to give you a team that can finally help you win, help you push towards the playoffs, get rid of the, the negative stigma that's still, um, still, I guess, is somewhat attached to Zach Levine's name. And uh, we're going to reward you thereafter with a max deal, you know, a full five-year max thereafter. So I'm assuming that's that's the plan. I'm assuming they're the conversations that have been had. And, uh, yeah, I think it makes complete sense. I do too. And also, like, just in terms of future assets, um, because I just wanted to touch on this as well, like, the Bulls still have their 2022 draft pick. I mean, that's not going anywhere because the pick conveyed to Orlando this year. So next year, if it tits up everything, they'll have a pick. Like, it's not like they, they mortgaged everything. Like, yeah, they send out a ton. They've sent out three first-round draft picks. Objectively, that is a lot, but I don't think it is too much, all things considered, uh, given that the swing that they're taking, especially because like they still have 2022 and then we'll, they will have 2024. Um, I just don't yeah. think they're in all that bad of a position, really. Yeah, 100%. And like, this just makes the Vucevic trade look better. Well, hopefully it does, because part of the, the issue with the Vucevic trade or the issue some had with it was the fact that you, again, giving up future, future draft round future first round picks rather. So in that sense, like a way to make the deal look better and a way to make sure that those picks are shit that you're sending to the magic is obviously to make the balls as good as possible. Now in 2023, when that pick goes out, hopefully the balls are good enough where, you know, they're winning 45 to 55 games. They're up into the, like that four or five seed in the East. Maybe that, that pick projects to be like the 21st, 22nd pick in the NBA. Like, if that's what you've given up, along with the eighth pick of Wendell Carter to get Vucevic, then it's fine. And then, again, continuing that thought experiment with um, DeMar DeRozan here, it's a 2025 pick, obviously a couple more years out just due to the step-in rule. But if you can just continue to 
put pieces around the team and ensure that the team is good, which should be just the, the primary objective anyway. Mm-hmm. As a byproduct of that, the, the future picks that you have outgoing shouldn't really matter that much. So again, I, I don't know. And I, I get when you when you see the move initially why there may be some skeptic, uh, skepticism. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, 385, that, that's, a, that's a bit expensive. <laughs> but then yep. when you start you know, taking it backwards, a backseat to it, start thinking about it holistically, what this means for the franchise going forward, what this means for Zach Levine, uh, that, that's when I completely buy in. So um, yep. that, I'm feeling good about it. I'm feeling good about it. Hopefully, hopefully the, the, the majority of the fan base is – There'll always be a select few who don't, but um, you know, screw them. <laughs> so, so in terms of rounding out the roster, Mark, um, that's something I, I I also wanted to to talk to you. That's why I invited myself onto this show today because it, it's so interesting to me that the Bulls will still have at least a portion of the non-tax MLE to go with an external signing. Obviously, some of it will will be uh, earmarked for IO and for for Marco. Um, but I'm thinking a guy like Danny Green for the remainder of the non-tax MLE would be just such a nice fit. Obviously, you have to wonder, are there enough minutes to go around at the swing spot? If not, you could pivot into a big man. But that's another guy who can come in, play defense, hit threes, uh, is reliable for the playoffs. I would like that very much. And maybe you can go that route, and then you can use Markinen's situation to go for an additional big, whoever that might be. Yeah, I, I believe Paul Millsap is still a free agent, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I, you know, he would be nice. Maybe there's lesser options out oh, there. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I take your point on Danny Green. Like I mentioned before, like the Sixers have done jack shit, and that includes not re-signing their own guy, which is Danny Green, which, you know, if they lose him, they trade Simmons, like where is their perimeter defense gone? Like, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not fearful of the Sixers as well. But yeah, he's he's an interesting name. There's still things the Bulls can do to your point, and I'm expecting them to do so. They're, like they're going to be moves in the periphery now. Like they've made their big moves: Caruso, DeRozan, and and Ball. They're the, they're the big pieces. We'll see what happens thereafter. But um, yeah, to your point, there's still things to be done. Um, I'm sure Bulls HQ will be coming back later in the week to discuss those moves, and and maybe at that point, Mort. Mort uh, we can reconvene for uh, a fourth time in one week. <laughs> That'd be great. I, I, I'm starting work back up again on Thursday, but you know what? If we can figure out a time that makes sense for both of us, I'm definitely down uh, because I, I have a feeling when everything is said and done with the Bulls offseason, uh, I think Bulls fans are going to have a drastically different mindset towards the Bulls. I think they're going to have way more optimism uh, as long as they, like you just said, take the step back and just realize the situation. I mean, for crying out loud, a year ago, the Bulls had no All-Stars. Now they have three and Lonzo yeah. Ball. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And that's that's the mentality everyone needs to have. Like I said, whether it works or not, this is the intense behind the moves is almost as important as the moves themselves. Um, so to me, like that matters. <laughs> you know, if you're a championship or bus person, if you're the type of person that only wants to see your team signing free uh, superstars or tanking for superstars, um, you know, if that's the mentality that you have, then you know maybe you're you're perpetually mad and always mad at the ball product. But for me, who just wants to see good, respectable basketball, who wants to actually enjoy watching Bulls basketball, I don't know about you, Bulls fans, but the last four years have been absolute dog shit basketball. Uh, I do. 
Yeah, not only was it bad basketball, but we had to have Jimmy Butler basically run it, rubbing um, our face in it. Like he he moves away from Chicago, <laughs> has a, you know ultimate success. The team gave up on him. What we're seeing now is maybe something that could have been put around Jimmy Butler at the time. Not so we have that lasting image or that lasting mm. thought, then compounded by four years of terrible basketball. I'm just willing to escape that nonsense and just move to an era where, yeah, maybe it doesn't result in a wing, a, a ring rather. But I, I don't care. I just want to see good, fun, competent Bulls basketball. I want the Bulls to be respected around the league again. And you know what? When that happens, guess what happens? That's when your free agents start coming through. The Brooklyn yeah. Nets didn't get shit. They weren't getting Kevin Durant or, or Kyrie Irving because they were tanking or you know because they were making you know little moves here on the margin or trading for shitty pieces here and there or you know perpetually just being a shitty team and a, and a bad organization. They got those guys through because they got their shit together. The Bulls are doing that now. They're doing it in a different way, but I'm confident that the Bulls are adding a little bit more respect to their name again and and the brand of the Chicago Bulls is um. It has more worth now. So uh, for me as a fan, for you listening, I, I hope you feel the same way. But um, yeah, like I said, Mort, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I've, yeah, I've, I've talked myself into it, I guess is my point. <laughs> uh, and I'm feeling good about it. But uh, and mate, I'll let you go because again, it is late your time. You said you're starting up work uh, again later this week. You definitely need your sleep before you start work again. So I'll let you go. We'll call it here. Um, Bulls HQ will be back probably later in the week to wrap up the further free agent moves but um, again more thanks for coming on mate tell the people where they can follow you online well and thank you for indulging in, in my request to come on the pod uh, you no can thank find- you because otherwise it would have just been me just you know blabbering by myself so thank you well I appreciate that uh, you can find me on Twitter at MSJNBA uh, you can find my writing at Forbes I also have the podcast, the NBA podcast with my co-host and partner in crime, Brian Zaporek. And we have a YouTube channel called The NBA Show that you'll find us on. We do almost daily videos. Too easy. Go follow Mort on, at all those spots. Follow me on Twitter too, at MK Hoops. Follow the podcast on Twitter too, at Pod. If you want to be part of the Balls HQ Discord, the link to the Discord is in the description of this podcast episode also if you want to send me an email whether it's a question whether it's ideas for the show just have a general conversation whatever it may be send me an email bullshq at gmail.com but uh that just about does it for this episode of the show the bulls are doing stuff bulls fans lonzo and caruso yesterday debar today we'll see what tomorrow holds but more again thank you for coming on mate bulls fans will be back very soon again hopefully talking about some um some larry marketing trades and some moves on the peripheral here but um as that as those moves break bulls hq will be back later in the week so keep on the lookout in all the usual spots but until then this has been bulls hq speak soon bulls fans Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. 
you'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.